0: We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Colchak, the Night Stalker episode, The Nightly Murders. That's Knightly with a K. K-K-K-K-K-K. K -K -K. K. Knightly murders. Short synopsis. A series of bizarre murders committed with medieval weapons at night, by a knight, cause Koljak to become a knight stalker. (laughs) Longer synopsis. (laughs) A museum of medieval antiquities is being turned into a discotheque. The spirit of the 14th century black cross knight and notorious party pooper whose armor rests in the museum comes to life to systematically kill everyone involved in turning the museum into a disco. As the deaths mount up, Kolchak must do verbal battle with a disbelieving police captain and do real hand-to-hand battle with the black knight. Okay, <laughs> the nightly murders.
1: Um what did you think of this episode Simon? I thought this one was pretty nearly flawless. I enjoyed okay. it a
0: lot. I enjoyed it a lot. I was just curious. It's a kind of interesting. Well, okay, let's go. What what did you like in particular about it? I
1: thought that it it was it was quite a different kind of episode I suppose from some of the ones that we've talked about before but there were a lot of things that I enjoyed in it which aren't that they were things that I enjoyed in their own right and also there were things where I've talked about things flaws that the other episodes have suffered from this this one really didn't suffer from but I guess the thing that's quite different about it is that this one was much more sort of um light in the plot Mm. and i mean i don't mean just lighter in the sense of there wasn't much of it but i mean light in the sense of it was quite a lightweight and almost humorous plot and not not in a not in a silly kind of way it it wasn't like when the the um black knight appeared you immediately thought of of monty python's knight that appears with its chicken to hit people right but um the whole the whole episode was a series of uh entertaining characters I'm a bit like we were talking about last time um when we were talking about legacy of terror yeah and uh there was there was in that one there was the morgue attendant who i thought was an attempt at doing a bit of an avengers style character and to me the the kind of whole feel of this episode is much more like uh the avengers or the or the prisoner or one of those itc fantasy series like uh randall hopkirk um okay in the sense that it is a a a drama with a a drama with a premise that is somewhat uh unusual mm. as as in you know we have the the paranormal aspect but the entertainment is all in the in the way the uh the, there is there is this interplay with with the characters and the and the characters in this are just great and they are all given um top-notch lines i think including including the regular characters so so you know yeah it, it it it's very very um deftly written i think
0: i have to say most of my notes uh are largely about marking out the different characters and the different ruses that kolchak goes about to interact with those characters whether whether it's a deceptive one or whether it's a straightforward approach, but yeah, it is it is really just a series of kind of Kolchak doing the investigating almost, if if you will. And and the I don't want to say wacky, but entertaining people that he encounters along the way.
1: Because yes. there's not but,
0: a lot of there's not a lot of threat at the end and vanquishing in the the night is almost tragically simple but it's really not about that
1: it's not about that but it's not I wouldn't I wouldn't call it tragically simple I would I would call it well set up because we know we 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 kind of know that I mean the so the story itself is 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 pretty silly and it's uh, it's not the kind of thing that I think the x files ever went anywhere near oh yeah um, since you know we <laughs> were always making that comparison and th- i I just glanced at the Wikipedia description of it just now and it and and it's it's very much shorter than most episodes. It just says to prevent the destruction of its home, the spirit of a knight reanimates a suit of armor to kill those responsible and it's it's it, yes <laughs> it, it's a bit it's a bit ludic- and and what that doesn't convey is is the fact that the the reason it, it, it reanimates the armor or whatever isn't actually the destruction of its home it's the fact that it's being turned into a disco because as kolchak explains it's a it's a it's the ghost of a misanthropic knight. yeah and and it doesn't like music so from that from that point of view, the, the the story itself is pretty silly, and as you say, that's not the story itself is not the point of this episode. Having said that, it does do, in my opinion, all the right things. So, in, uh, 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 at the end, where you have the fight, yes, it's fairly simple, but I kind of uh, uh, applaud them not prolonging that because they have had some padded fights I, I like that.
0: I would have... I guess where I get at that is... And there is a, there is something I find interesting about the fight that, that I wanted to talk about. We might as well talk about it now. Kolchak Why didn't not? go there to destroy the knight.
1: No, he didn't. He no, went he there didn't. to
0: investigate. And yep. and it just so happens that the one battle axe in the universe that can destroy that knight is stored in the same... Which that may not be as crazy sounding as it or coincidental sounding as it is but you know when he goes in and he looks at the axe and he you know runs his flashlight over it and then moves on you realize that's not what he came for oh yeah you know he he came to i don't know, get a picture of the night not in its place get a picture of the night moving whatever it happens to be but it's only when the night attacks him that he uh, goes after the axe and 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 what I mean by kind of tread, it's it's interesting, it's amusing that Kolchak can't even pick the thing up. Practically. <laughs> Which, okay, fine. I, I I don't understand the dynamics of how strong a knight would be to be able to wield something like that, but okay, that's fine. Um, I don't think Kolchak is looking like a weakling, so he looks like a fairly robust-sized late 40s, early 50s male human i would have thought that if anybody could have picked it up and swung it some it would have been him but it's the fact that he just sort of vaguely Mm. taps it and it seems to be that was the lethal blow and then it just topples over on top of the axe again that was probably the one piece that i would have i don't know i'd have liked to have seen him hit the knight, and it an arm come off or something you know, do you know <laughs> what i mean you so
1: want the black knight from the holy grail that's what you want i
0: I, no, I didn't i just i thought when he hit that first blow it's like okay you're gonna have to do a lot better than that kolchak because all that did was, you've got to pierce that armor isn't that what it said in the in the legend it said that's the only axe that can pierce that bewitched armor and oh, he didn't well, yeah you might and be then right it, there. it fell back and and I thought, oh well, he's going to catch it while it's leaning back, but it didn't. And it just kind of toppled forward right onto the axe and pierced itself. Mike, was it dead before it fell, or did it clumsily fall and kill itself? It
1: couldn't see. I I so I, I got two. I got two things uh, from from what you have said there that I liked about okay. this episode. The the first one is that that whole sequence because. Whilst your point about piercing the armour is is a, is a fair one, I've got to admit, it didn't occur to me at the time and it didn't bother me at all. Whereas the, whereas the fight scene taken as a whole, I thought, was excellently done. Especially when you compare it to some of the other kind of uh, fight scenes that we've had, and I think probably the nadir of those is, is uh, are the scenes in Chopper. Um, with the with the motorbike, where mm-hmm. it just looks like the victims of the of the the headless night. It's another night, isn't it? The um, Bike, headless yeah. rider in that one is that they are just. It looks like they're play acting. It looks like we're being shown them play acting because they don't run away to avoid it until the last minute, and then they just kind of randomly throw themselves in one direction or another. Whereas with this one. Kolchak would be out the door that second if he could get through the door, he can't and when he's, when he's facing off against the knight, you think, well here's a, here's a lumbering, slow knight but it's positioned, it's staged well because Kolchak's behind a table and... It destroys the table yeah, that, I know that and he's got to, to get past the knight, he's got to run the length of the table, so even though the knight is slow, he's only got one, two paces and he can cut Kolchak off literally okay, as he comes past and it, and it's shot well as well I, I I I thought all of that was excellently done
0: I, I did I, I I will concur so Kolchak runs for the door the first thing is like okay smart move get out of there yeah. can't get out the door he spins around he looks at the knight you can you can see it in McGavin's acting he looks at the knight slow lumbering knight what do I do he positions himself behind the table because yeah. the knight's not going to get him there, not with a weapon he's holding until he you know, crushes the table. Yeah. Where I was a little disappointed in that, and we mentioned it, or specifically you mentioned it, uh, it's his falling downstairs acting. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he, did, he did fall down two sets of stairs in this, in this particular uh, sequence. And yes. like, okay, uh, I think it's supposed to be darker in there than it appears on screen. It looked that, pretty dark to me. And that might, that might make a difference. But um, that, that part I thought, no, Simon's going to be picking on that
1: one because he's falling downstairs again. But um, I, I, I don't object to him falling downstairs. I thought, the, the, I thought in Legacy of Terror, he fell down the stairs in a very slow and unconvincing way. Okay. Whereas I thought the direction here and 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 uh, the, the the shooting of it was much much tighter, and it was staged in a way that that made sense. So it w- it was logical that he would trip on those stairs. You know, hurrying, not necessarily looking forward so much as looking back at the night, um, and that the, the whole choreography of that just worked. I thought in a way that. It probably wouldn't have st- it wouldn't have stood out in a lot of other series, but it has been quite bad in in uh, <laughs> in Jack, in and and you know there was that there was that bit in um, uh, earlier in the episode. It wasn't a particularly egregious example of it, but when oh, name escapes me, but the owner of the the owner of the new uh, of the new nightclub, the the rich guy in bed, yeah. The, yeah, when when the rich guy who who owns the the museum that's being turned into a nightclub uh, is is about to be clobbered by by the black knight. He's he's looking pretty terrified and he's he's shouting for Charles and all the rest of it. But I kind of felt like wouldn't you at least even even if you didn't think you'd get past the night, wouldn't you at least try to get up and, and move away? Make yourself into slightly less of an easy target. Yes,
0: that you're right. That's exactly it, what I thought. He should he should try to roll out of bed on the far side.
1: Yeah, that yeah, you know that 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 kind of thing. So there is there is a, there's often a tendency, I think, in the way that these things are shot to to kind of avoid. I don't know if it's having to to move the camera to frame another shot, but um, it just it 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 can look a bit stilted and strange. And that was not by any means the worst that we've seen because it was it was again quite a a quick tight this is an episode that doesn't have padding in it so so the action is quite uh, pacey and from that from that point of view it doesn't feel as weird as when someone just sort of stands there looking horrified for about 30 seconds while the threat lumbers very slowly towards them
0: no, I I would I would agree and that is the worst of the deaths because if we have the ward captain who is killed at the beginning, he walks through the door of his house in the middle of the night in a dark house, mm-hmm. looks up yeah. and there's a guy with a crossbow who shoots him instantly. Yes. Perfect. That's yes. fine. You know, the guy who's driving in at night and I thought it and I will say I thought this was an excellent shot because as we're looking through the front windshield of the car through the headlights, you know how well, if you're in a car and you're driving at night and you're making a turn and the headlights then suddenly illuminate something that's there, like a person or a Bigfoot or whatever it happens to be, you know, Yeah. It, because it's completely out of your vision until those headlights sweep across it and you don't always even see it. And you kind of get that illusion as he, as he sweeps into his driveway the knight is standing there. Your brain registers it as something out of place, but it doesn't immediately register what it is. Yeah, and so that guy kind of catches it. The shot that we see does has has that effect, and then, you know, you would you would be satisfied to think that that car could take that knight down, that there is no threat because you are in a car and there's a guy standing there in a suit of armor, and that lance just <laughs> right through him again, quick tight no chance for any stupid mistakes to be made by the victim and yeah. and the interior decorator well she's been trapped in a bathroom by coal jack and <laughs> she's dead i mean what what could you do in that room
1: so uh yeah yeah and and again you know they they it's a it's a good choice of how much of it to show and how much of it not to show so I just wonder though, if he'd had to continue murdering people, would
0: he start repeating weapons? <laughs> Good question. Cause it did seem kind of convenient. It's like I think today I'm gonna try the mace, and then off off he goes. Convenient that he also wipes the blood off of his weapons as part of the the mythos of the of the night. Convenient in what sense? Well, that there's no weapons hanging in the discotheque covered in blood oh well i see what you mean yes i mean typically speaking our supernatural killers don't necessarily try to erase the evidence um
1: <laughs> like you did in this one yeah on the other hand you know you probably would if in and if if you if you were a knight of 1272 or whenever he was you probably would take care of your sword after you've used it in order to keep it in good condition for when you next wanted to go and Mm. um, decapitate some varlet for some reason.
0: I, I suppose, I suppose I don't, I don't actually envision the knight having that kind of intelligence and you know, it, well I did. I, I but you you know it's yeah it's he's a knight that
1: I mean that's the point he's a knight isn't he he's not it's not the manifestation of some other kind of spirit that just happens to be making use of medieval implements or whatever he he's a knight who I
0: guess what I was getting at is I envision you know if the suit of armor comes to life it goes to the place kills the person suit of armor goes back to its seat I don't I don't picture it stopping along the way to, you know, clean the weapon, sharpen the blade, do whatever a knight would do. But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not true. It well, just, he hangs it, it back up. I didn't. I didn't um, put it that way until uh, until Kolchak, they mention it. And it's like, oh, well, it's kind of convenient. It's kind of convenient that what they made it out to be was that it is a. It's a battle. uh Eccentricity of this particular knight that he wipes his blood on their flag, effect, effectively, um, and so that is wipes a thing that blood. the knight is doing because it's part of his kill routine. His M.O. Yes. as opposed to his "I'm putting my armor away" routine, because you'd think he'd take it off too. So I, it just—it uh, was just. And I, so, but I'll okay, this. I like the fact that Kolchak didn't discover that. Right. That was actually a piece that the police gave to him halfway, three quarters of the way through the episode. Mm -hmm. He didn't know it. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, that was kind of, you know, all his investigative work. And the police did actually come up with something that he didn't. So that that was uh, that was good. I do ask this question, though, if if you were a knight that didn't like discos and (laughs) some company had bought your your home and was going to turn it into a disco, and you decided you were going to go to a murderous rampage and and kill, would you start with the guy who worked on the zoning clearance? Um, (laughs) Followed followed by the guy who sold them the parking lot next door? (laughs) It's like, like, I think I would have gone straight for the rich guy.
1: Who owned the company. Yes, possibly. Possibly.
0: (laughs) So, uh, it was just... (laughs) Just an interesting combination. I didn't really think about it till I wrote them down in order. I was writing them in the in the notes and saying, okay, this guy killed by this, this guy killed that. Go, Why did he do it in that order? And it's it does make it a little tenuous so that you have to you have to go through a few murders before the pattern becomes clear. Or it might be a little more obvious if they'd started with a guy who killed the company that owned the yes, place for yes, yes, that. Yes. So, um, anyhow. Um I think that's all I have on the knight himself. Um let's uh let's save Captain Roush for for last. Okay. And just and just take a look at the um uh take a look at some of the other uh characters. So he, he stops by the morgue and he has yes. to spend money. So we know it's at least twenty bucks there. And we talked about the two-dimensional characters in past, where you just kind of show and they have a shorthand for them. What was this guy supposed to be?
1: Just vapid airhead? I- yeah, yes, yeah, so I, I guess so. I mean, he was the he was the least developed character in the episode, and he had very little to do. But he still got a great line in the sense that, you know, when Kolchak wondered if it was Mace, he said. Mace comes in a little can and doesn't weigh anything. And yeah. So yeah. He, I didn't he, know they even he, had Mace back. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> well, yeah. But, um, it, and, and, and the line and everything the character does works because the character has a clear, even though, even though it's a, you know, one, one scene pretty much throwaway character, he has a pretty clear motivation. Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't know if he's an airhead, but he's he's kind of a, uh, he he's not that he's not that much interested in the job. He's only interested in you know he'll he'll take he'll he'll t- he'll take the money, um, but he won't he won't do any, he won't help Kolchak out unless he's given the money, mm-hmm. and his you know his mind doesn't. Even contemplate what Kolchak is talking about. He just, you know, he thinks okay. about yeah. mace, mace. So, um, so from that point of view, I thought, the, I thought that, you know, the, the character was was perfectly, um, you know, well well formed given given, you know, the the, the scene he had. Yeah. And the and the other thing I liked about about that that exchange where we have Kolchak thinking about what. What fits with his theory that could cause the, the the pattern that they've observed because the guy's, you know, saying, you know, it's, it's like it's a a football boot worn by a thousand pound player or whatever mm-hmm. it was that he said. And that's this is this is Colchak's advantage. You see, he's been he's been thinking along the lines of the medieval stuff. And so, he, so he immediately jumps to the correct con- conclusion, which is about it being a, a, a mace. Well, he just and seen one too. Well, yes, but but because he's he's his primary line of investigation is the medieval aspect, whereas that's not necessarily the first interest of the police investigation. Right. So it's not just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's it's so Colchak's investigating but he's investigating in a way that that genuinely where he genuinely does have an advantage. Yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: So he also goes and checks with a um
0: I think it's a pawn shop, but a guy who sells weapons. Yep. <coughs> knows about weapons and yep. um has to help him write his autobiography
1: <laughs> i love that i love that anything but a couple the biography. more chapters in my biography it says, take the money for the teeth yeah yeah
0: also when he kept saying oh no i want to go buy one no you don't want to buy one i want to buy one now yeah. where would i go buy one take a turn right and go to the 12th century or whatever it was
1: yes 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 keep driving till you get to the 12th century
0: yeah um so you know that guy was that was an entertaining interlude. Um, we had the butler with the rich guy.
1: Oh, yes. Charles, which, yes.
0: Which I thought was interesting that he, you know, knew in advance based on what he'd heard that the butler wouldn't talk to the press. So he just didn't even bother to try that. He went straight to the fake telegram um, to try to get his windows, which was successful enough to get him the telephone clue. Yes.
1: Um, and it. And 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 I, I thought I thought that was I thought that was nicely done because the it, you didn't have to make the butler stupid enough to believe him for it, but it it gave him it gave him an opening while the butler was disbelieving him. He kind of stepped through the door, and he was there as you say long enough to 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 spot the telephone and to make. Uh, some interesting conclusions about what might have damaged it Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. and yeah right the butler wasn't the butler wasn't convinced by the telegram but he was in doubt enough to work with it until he was able to prove he was wrong that Kolchak was lying with the soda yes so that was that was good a good character moment um we had the telephone repair guy now i don't know a younger listers in the united states maybe listers in the uk and other company countries i don't know but back then the telephone company owned all the phones you were not allowed to own your own phone you were not allowed to connect
1: your own phone equipment to the the phone lines well, back, back, back then, perhaps we should explain to our younger listeners, telephones were oh, fixed yeah, wired to the wall. Yeah, <laughs> there was a wire from the telephone to your house, and you, could, you couldn't take it away with you. Yeah, that's true. That's
0: true, too. If we have to explain that. I still think that some telephone users may know that there's wired phones in the world, But, but at one point in the United States, uh, at and had a complete and absolute monopoly And they got broken up into the local bell companies. But they had a complete and absolute monopoly. And you couldn't... You know, there were places that made novelty phones and people hooked them up to their phone line. But if the phone company found them, they did just exactly what that repair guy did. They ripped them out. Because you could destroy the entire network if if the voltage thingies are off, which is complete garbage excuse. But, I mean, they were... They were really nasty well, about it, and of course they charged you per phone, so you weren't allowed to hook up a second phone because then they would charge you a second for a second phone, even if it was the same line. I mean, it, it was, you know, it were dark times, dark, dark times, back then.
1: <laughs> the, I, the dark ages. I, the I think times. you may be being slightly, slightly unfair, um, in the sense that there, there weren't, there weren't. There wasn't the infrastructure to protect the network from any old cowboy wiring in their own stuff. Ah. And if you if if you if you wired in another couple of phones, it wouldn't be a problem. But if you wired in a dozen phones, it would be a problem.
0: Uh, yeah, we'll let's see. <laughs> like, I, you know, I I did I did telephone wiring in the early eighties, so not much beyond that point, and. You, know, you at that point, the telephones had become modular connections, like they are now. The RJ um, eleven
1: and R- RJ forty
0: no forty five. No, forty five is Ethernet, isn't it? RJ 40, eleven yeah. and RJ forty. I, I, I'm
1: not sure. I'm not sure we have RJ yeah. anything anymore. Yeah. I think it's um, just. I think it's just called a BT connector, because that that was in the for for us in the time of this episode. It wouldn't have been a question of a a private monopoly. It would have been a question of the telephones being. Run by the post office, which was privately, uh, publicly owned. And it wasn't until uh, British Telecom that they started letting you unplug phones from the wall and that kind of thing. Mm. So,
0: anyway, so he has to, you know, to get a telephone guy because apparently they won't bother to answer your questions on the phone. Um, He sabotages. Can you imagine that?
1: Can you imagine Kolchak's. charm and uh tactfully phrased questions being rebuffed astonishing it is it is astonishing but uh, you know not from the phone company so
0: i can you know <laughs> i would imagine you never even got the chance to ask the question but uh again well probably true could be showing a uh, a certain there's a certain um spirit of the times um, I can't think of the word for it. Yes,
1: yes, yes. That he would the phone company wasn't going to help you anyway.
0: <laughs> they were not. They were I, not going to help I,
1: you. See, I, I, I liked it again because it was a very it was a very cold, chatty thing to do, and so so he, he wasn't he wasn't going to get his information any other any other way, mm-hmm. and so he finds a way of he of, of getting the information, whatever you know whatever means necessary. And yeah, he's going to annoy his source, but on the other hand it's not an important source. It's not it's yeah. not like when he he pisses off the police or whatever and you think that's just that's just stupid. This is this is the kind of thing that any hack today would do. They would use some piece of subterfuge to get a bit of information from some source that they would only use once and they wouldn't care if their subterfuge was found out and it annoyed someone Mm. because once they've got their information, well, that's fine. That's job done. But again, what I liked about this was the fact that the telephone guy saw through it straight away. He wasn't stupid enough to be taken in by Kolchak's amateur meddling. Right.
0: Right. So, again, the character doesn't come off stupid. He just comes off as, uh, you know, Kolchak got what he needed before it, it got rumbled.
1: Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Tony Vincenzo <laughs> that pays would... the price. And Miss Emily. Yeah, well, as ever, as ever. But what, but what I particularly liked about it, and I did think this was slightly stretching credibility, was that telephone repair guy knows off by heart exactly how much pressure is specified by the phone company that their telephones can withstand. I
0: think... That that is a dig at the phone company uh, about, as I was saying earlier, the whole, we can't have these phones because they have incredibly tight specifications and they're the only thing that we'll allow on our lines. And sure. the the phone company was kind of anal retentive about that sort of thing. I'm not saying that their technicians sure, I, actually I, would know that, but I think that kind of comes off with that sort of officiousness that the phone company had. That, oh, that I think if,
1: I think if he I think if he'd quoted various um, you know, stats about the voltage the voltage or yes or 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 indeed, you know, any other um aspects of the technical side of it, it's just the idea that it being an important thing to test and know how much pressure you can put on the phone before you crush it uh, and, and that being the kind of thing that you have to memorize was there maybe were only stretching it a bit. there were only three phones
0: so i mean it's not a lot of information <laughs> we, only, we only had authorized about three different types of phones that you were allowed to have but uh oh, dark days dark days <laughs> Remember them sadly too well, but anyway.
1: I don't think we had three different kinds.
0: Well, we had a wall mount one, and we had a princess phone. Oh
1: yeah, we. Yeah, you're right. We did have a wall mount one.
0: A wall mount, and they had and they had that, that standard well, we phone didn't. that Cole Jack had, and then you had uh, with a multi-button line if you had a special phone system. I think that's pretty much it, as I recall. Anyway, um, it's all the average person can afford anyway, and. So we have the heraldry, so the coat of arms. Let's not call it heraldry. Let's call it a coat of arms mail order scam
1: business. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure it's quite fair to call it a scam because, really, we don't know. We don't just, know that we don't know that they're bullshitting him. I think it could it could be they know their heraldry.
0: I I think that we know that they were bullshitting him because when they went in the back and she was getting his coat of arms, she was cutting a different name off of it.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) I mean, okay, it was a bit of a scam. What I mean is we don't know that what they're saying about the Kolchak family from Poland is inaccurate. Well, okay, okay. I I
0: felt like it was a lie, but okay, I, I will take that. As being maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't. I thought one of the names that they gave sounded suspiciously like a real person without the Kolchak in it, and I can't cite it specifically. But somebody he said, I thought, wait, that name's very close but familiar. But all right, I'll I'll take that. He did know what a bar, uh, yeah, Bar Sinister was, and uh, he was able to identify the the coat of arms by a very poor explanation on Kolchak's part. I'll give him that. I go, oh, well, that sounds like the, um, Count of Monte Cristo. No, it wasn't the Count of Monte Cristo. It was the, um, no, Mentecourt. Metincor. Yes, yes, yes. The Black Cross Knight. Um, so, all right, we'll, we'll cut him a little bit of slack, but everything about that organization reeked of those sort of cheesy, get your coat of arms, mail order. And he even said, you know, mostly mail order business, so yeah sure i mean i think we were supposed to think that he was completely and absolutely bsing kolchak uh as part of his you know just their normal business operation it's like eh, who's gonna check and and, is there really a glover coat of arms you know out there (laughs) i'm sure there is if some coat of arms expert says there is
1: and yet the mentor information was correct
0: yes that's right yeah it was in a book which is the only book he had sitting up on a table. <laughs> it's only about 40 pages long, too. But, yeah. No, yep, the medical information was correct. So I'm... I, okay, if you had a degree in heraldry, let's just say, <laughs> your avenues in life are not all that broad. So... Exactly. I, exactly. I could that, see That's
1: how, what I thought it was.
0: You no. Know, that, was, that was a fairly... Come well, on. I would think that would be a fairly common thing in England too, but that was a fairly common thing back in the 70s and 80s was the, you know, find your find your medieval ancestry and your coat of arms. Um, because, of course, not having that really here in this country, there's a lot of people who want that. They want that connection back
1: to the old country. Um, I think that may be more of a... I'm 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 speculating here, but I think it may be more of a a U.S. thing.
0: I, I think it might. I think it, you know because you just don't. It, we we it we've got a, a
1: lot of history lying around. So yeah, it has, it has it has an granted. air of
0: yeah, it it lends an air of of antiquity of to 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 history to your family lines. When you know we're just all entirely a country of immigrants, most of them. Poor people trying to get away from dying from being poor, so and not not typically nobles and uh, great houses. Uh, so anyway, and and we have the interior designer. Oh yes, who took Kolchak's arrival in her bedroom with an interesting um, <laughs> blasenous. <laughs> Was she attracted to Carl, or was she just an enormous oh, yes. flirt?
1: Well, both, I think. Both? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right. I right. Didn't... Uh, I wasn't quite sure whether that was her personality, or whether that was her, her coping mechanism, or that was her...
1: Uh, oh, no. Just... Well, no, I think because it's, it's the fact... It's her personality. It's the fact that she's on the phone. I thought that was well done. She was, she was, on, the, she was on the phone, so we got, we got dialogue, her talking to a, a, a close friend, and so you get a kind of insight that you wouldn't, you wouldn't otherwise have had if all you'd had was her... her interaction with Kolchak, yeah. Yeah, or, well, you wouldn't have had it if all you had was her interaction with Boggs, which was very much the kind of standard Kolchak, people mm-hmm. shouting at each other, squabbly way, kind of thing, and her interaction with Kolchak, which would be a kind of um, interrogation. So, you, 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 what well, the phone call does give you more of a chance to get an insight into her before you get that interaction with Kolchak and the the, the normal kind of questioning. It, it actually so gives I her opportunity well. to to narrate,
0: right? So, yeah. in other words, it's an inner dialogue that she's passing on to a friend that we get to hear and it, it, it cleverly, cleverly yeah, staged yeah. that way.
1: It's, 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 it's cleverly done and it's done without the cost of hiring another actor. Brilliant. <laughs> just, they just had to rent that phone from the phone company to, to be on the set. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could probably give that one back.
0: I wonder if the, I wonder if movie houses had to uh, rent phones or whether they, uh, they,
1: they were. Well, I, do, I don't, I don't suppose the one that got trodden by the night got, um, probably yeah probably didn't
0: and of course we have boggs oh yes played by dear old hans conrad who is a a a character actor whose voice is so distinctive um he did cartoons and other things in the united states you just for us at that age you would just instantly know this guy um in his voice i did have a problem not with him But kind of, because the premise of this episode, that particular piece, we are turning this museum into a disco, is so absurd. I'm having trouble figuring out how a museum curator would react to that.
1: I don't think it's that absurd.
0: That they would do that, or that he would act the way he did?
1: Uh, Or both? Well... Obviously, he was a bit of a character, so the way the way he acted was maybe not the way you or I would act, but then you or I aren't museum curators and I don't know what kind of character would be what well, because what we're what we're dealing with here is a tiny 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 museum mm-hmm. so it's it's not the kind of museums that we probably go to mostly because we if we're going to a museum, we go out of our way in order to go to a, a big and impressive, often a national museum here, I don't know about over there. Whereas actually what we're talking here about is a private collection, and it's a fairly impressive private collection, but it's not that surprising that the owner of a private collection like that would not be able to make money out of it as a museum. So if someone came along and, and, and who ran uh, bars or whatever, thought, wow, this would be a fantastic uh, theme for a bar. And if I could buy this collection, it would give me all the kind of props hmm. and decorations I need for that. You know, I guess there I guess you go.
0: I, I would much rather it be uh, replicas if I were running a, a Black Cross night themed bar than the real things. I mean, the only time I ever envision walking into a place that has something quote unquote real. You talk in Las Vegas where they might okay. you know have they have the security already as part of their uh casino arrangements. And so they will sometimes have real uh artifacts whether that be star trek props but, we, but i mean if, but, if
1: it's security you're thinking of we're not oh uh, no i'm thinking of, we're, we're not just, talking of some insurance dive on the south side of chicago here
0: insurance we, there's no mo- there's no money in having uh, uh the the battle axe blessed by pope gregory the real one all that is is a liability you've got people in there i mean there's already talking about the kids stealing the crossbow bolts over the years you've already got liability you've got an artifact which arguably has some value to it if even if you can't make money showing it to people there must be a collector someone who would be willing to buy that and you just if it's for people to give it character to what they're having at their disco which they're interested in drinking dancing and sex it it's t- you know <laughs> you, you just you, would, you wouldn't use the disco. real artifacts i don't
1: hmm? i i i, I that was absolutely not a problem for me. I don't think it was a disco. I think, and it said it was okay, a disco tech. who said it was a disco?
0: The interior Box. designer and uh, oh, when she when and she I was, think the butler, you know, being uh, dismissive
1: of the project. But what they were actually talking about was was a club, and it was clearly. I mean, I don't know. That's what whether, clubs
0: were in the seventies. So at that time, basically, no, a club was a disco.
1: Club, club as in a members club, so not as in a nightclub. Oh, I thought it so was a nightclub. I, I, th- I think what they were suggesting was a members club where this would be part of the attraction. Yes, they would have music or whatever, but they would have a bar. And I don't know well enough whether you would be likely to get that somewhere in Michigan as you would in Las Vegas. Huh. But the idea of it isn't crazy, in huh. my opinion.
0: I, I, I totally didn't take it that way. I totally took it as, in the 1970s, the disco club, like Studio 54 kind of place in New York, where they were going to turn this into a dance club. And and at some point, somebody said Steak and Lobster Dance Club, which was even worse uh, in this episode but yeah no I, I took it to be well Lobster's got to be a bit upmarket hasn't it yeah a bit yeah yeah I just I I took it as being totally what they said it was they're plowing down history in favor of a discotheque and that was um, uh, yeah <laughs> I, I I suppose but yeah Either way, but, but I guess it would piss off e- the
1: night. E- e- either way, Boggs is going to be opposed, unhappy about it. Absolutely. So I didn't, thi- I didn't think that was um, an unex- unexpected reaction on his part. Even if he's obviously quite an eccentric. Yeah,
0: and I, I like again with this the episode kind of, and this ties in with Boggs. Um, Kolchak is investigating not a supernatural crime just as he was last week it it's fairly late in the episode that he picks up that it's a supernatural situation after we rule out the human one which is the with the motive which is the the curator
1: um so i don't think i i i don't think in this one colchak is not investing as investigating a supernatural in in the sense he's whether or not it is supernatural hmm. he's investigating the link and, right. the, and the important link that he's he sees be as being the medieval aspect of it and yes it's uh, uh, because be, because he obviously does suspect bogs mm-hmm. up to uh, you know up to a certain point and and that makes sense i mean I know this isn't one that necessarily obviously has a particularly strong influence on the X-Files, but you can again kind of see why it was so inspired that Mulder was a profiler because a lot of these stories that we're getting in the, in the cold Track series are serial killings. That's basically what you're investigating. Mm-hmm. And so in, in doing that, you're looking for, for the link between them and, as a as a profiler, that's what that's what Mulder is trained to do. It just so happens that he then has this kind of uh, other aspect of of things to look for um, in terms of his you know his his kind of knowledge of the stuff you read about in the fourteen times, mm. but Colchak um, Kol- also has that, so. I mean obviously he's not yeah. he's he, he's not qualified in the way that, that that Mulder does but he has a mind open enough shall we say to think of some pretty weird things and yeah. we do get that by by the end of the episode because oh, yeah. you then get that exchange with Vincenzo who now suddenly thinks he's going nuts yeah, I I mean I didn't I didn't like that so much. I mean, I don't think it was done in a in a tasteless way. Um no, but I didn't just, think it, I did I didn't think it was necessary. I think it was intended to add a bit of kind of um light character comedy to it.
0: Yeah, no, I I I didn't think it was meant to be an, an offense. I just it was more of a question of this is the 18th time he's come to you or the 20th time he's come to you. With yes. a crazy supernatural thing, and this
1: time you think,
0: "Oh, I think you're having a mental breakdown."
1: Yeah, exactly, and that you know that was the problem with it. But then you know, syndication—you may not be watching this episode 18th in order. True. So Pop. Um, the 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 thing the thing is, it didn't the the scene didn't need that. It worked well when what Tony was doing was saying, "What you're coming to me, what you're coming to me with is absolute nonsense." but then he starts listening to Carl and he starts saying okay if we if we take that on board and we say there is you know there is some medieval connection between all of these
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, all, all of these murders he and then he's starting to break down Kolchak's logic and saying okay there's evidence to support that do we then have to go straight to saying this is actually the spirit of some knight from 1272 which there isn't evidence to support right and, and so he, he, he's, fu- he's fulfilling a role in challenging Kolchak in that way that's really important and useful to the story.
0: Yes. And, and, you know, I wonder if then when Kolchak goes to the thing, if he's, you know, that is in spurred on with more evidence minds. I mean, not that he wouldn't be spurred on to get more evidence anyway, but I, I, I wonder if those questions landed in Kolchak's yeah. mind to go straight to the source and and try to figure out if there's anything going on there so uh, yeah that was um, yeah that was a good scene with Tony and um, alas we still didn't have Miss Emily
1: no and Ron was basically completely redundant in it
0: yeah yeah the the Boston Fern Ron the Boston (laughs) Fern (laughs) Yes. And the yes. Snapdragon. Um. Okay, I then 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 the the big piece in the room is Captain Roush, the Edward R. Murrow of police captains. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
1: <laughs> give me your thoughts on this character. Well, I I thought I mean, he's, it's he's clearly a fairly key character in this. He appears a number of times. And. For once, we got Carl approaching a policeman in a way that wasn't straight out confrontational because he considers Roush to be a quote living legend as in what do you say what do you say to a living legend?" he says in the voiceover and then hi there mm-hmm. and so that sets the tone for a very different relationship which which Really, really works, and obviously, what you've actually got here in 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 the police captain is a slightly more eccentric character than some of the other police cap uh, police captains. Mm-hmm. He's he is in, um, in, in well, not not quite uh, reciprocating Carl's respect, but he but he is. He's open. He's open to to talking to Carl, and I, I guess he probably does have a, a a certain amount of of respect for him.
0: There were a few times when he said things that you question whether he's buttering Carl up or whether he's just genuinely, you know, making a commentary on on Kolchak's thinking. So, for example, when he mentions the fact that we have two murders, two strange weapons, and the fact that you are both. That you're in charge of both of these murders, and his, you know, response is you have a lucid insight, an administrative insight to that yes. last point. It's like you know y- you're making a good
1: point. Um, it's but 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 the, but the, but that's that's one of the brilliant things about Roush because whenever Kolchak asks him a question, which might be a good question, he comments on the question. So that's an excellent question, rather than actually. Answering, answering the question, right. right, and 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 it, you so you get rather rather than this kind of um, the 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 drama trying to come or failing to come from from the kind of fric frictive mm-hmm. confrontational relationship between the, the the policeman and Kolchak and Kolchak not getting not getting answers answers that way instead. Although he still doesn't quite get get the answers, you have this um, the, these kind of deflections from from the police captain, and at the same time, he then he then starts going off on these quite sort of lofty and abstract digressions that go completely over Carl's head. That because, part I thought was weird, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I I I I thought that. I, I I liked it. I thought they handled it quite well because Carl is basically taking it all literally. So you you've got this this legendary policeman who whose insights Carl is 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 hoping to understand. So he's a bit of a sort of Sherlock Holmes character or whatever. He he has insights that that go beyond the immediate. Situation of the murder and into into kind of the context and societal issues and this kind of thing. And he so he his his mind sort of wanders off on these things, and Carl is trying to take them literally because he doesn't he doesn't appreciate where you know where where this is coming from, and it's almost a kind of reversal of that standard cop, uh, journo stereotype, in the okay. sense that there there is Carl just kind of nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts. What you know? What's the evidence? What are the clues? And here is the the cop who's who's trying to sort of look at everything within a the social context and all the rest of it. And I thought that was that was really nice.
0: I I, I enjoyed the interaction. The only the only time were a couple of times where Kolchak would just uh, in taking it so literally because it's not literal. It's not what he said. Um, you know, it's like so. There were ice cubes at all the scenes of the murders. <laughs> well, no, I. He was talking about the use of ice picks, declining. Yes, but I don't like why was he talking about it?
1: Why was he talking about it? He was. He was. He was. He was. There was a commentary about the you know the role of technology, and it was like it. It was like what he was doing was talking out loud the the equivalent of uh, Holmes writing a, a monograph on the decline in you know the numbers mm-hmm. of murders involving ice picks or whatever and and it didn't even occur to Kolchak why he might be talking about that just you know from for the sake of interest Kolchak assumed it had some direct implication for that particular crime scene I I guess that's where I, where
0: I, I part company on that is because I just I think Kolchak's supposed to be smarter than that so he's
1: single minded it's not I, it did, didn't seem to me like they were making him stupid they were just making him focused
0: okay so then then let's take the next one or the previous one actually and that's the um what was the exact phrase the world war 2 the female world war 2 killer yes that um i I wrote it down i don't see it here right off the top of my head but
1: but i remember what you were saying about um commandos using yeah commandos or something like that
0: yes and that's you know that's kolchak
1: jumping to this weird
0: conclusion here in a private conversation he's having with a captain that that no one else is doing but later in the episode when the second murder has occurred the other press are parroting that back to him. They were not present, so where did they get that?
1: Kolchak whispers it to the journalist who asks the question. Did he? Yes. Did, I mean,
0: oh, okay. I did not see. Okay, I did not see that. So that would explain. I was trying to figure out. Is, it, is that something Kolchak had planted to? Yes. Screw up. Okay. He
1: he whispers it to her immediately before he sneaks into the captain's office.
0: Okay, okay, fair enough. Then then I then that answers my question, which was. How did that get out there? It's not something Kolchek wrote and the public saw or anything like that. It's okay. All right, that's, I that's wasn't. A,
1: I wasn't quite sure why he did it, but I was. I was assuming it was because he sabotaged the he, others. He he, <laughs> he. Well, yeah, he knew it. He knew it was something completely useless, because if it was something useful, he wouldn't have shared it, and so he just wanted to put them on the wrong track and create a distraction that would allow him to sneak into the office in order to have a a private conversation with Roush where mm. only he would hear the answers for 2 hours <laughs> <laughs> yes <coughs> um but it, that that the, you know that that whole aspect of 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 uh, Roush's um d- digressions and ramblings was was quite interesting as well because kolchak starts to think that Rausch is not actually as good a policeman as his reputation yes
0: and he calls him on it
1: he calls him on it is it true and it did you say is it true or is is it true is it true is it? I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. But it, what's it? What's interesting, and this is again why I really like this episode because it's so, it's so grounded on 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 the the characters themselves. Is that he he makes that accusation to Roush when and 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 it, and, it, and it's kind of going back to this sort of more confrontational police journalist relationship that we that we've seen before. But he makes it only when Rausch has accused him of, of paranoia. <laughs> but I think I think he makes it because the the analysis that Rausch makes of Carl's of character is pretty much on the money and, and it makes Carl uncomfortable and so he, he kind of strikes back. But when when he when he when he says, Oh you don't you know you don't do police work, you rely, rely on informants etc cetera, etc cetera. i was kind of thinking well hang on that is police work <laughs> <laughs> that's what kolchak does too yeah exactly i mean that that's what you that those are the things that you do when you investigate and okay so maybe he is by by being interested in what angles he can get from newsmen maybe he's being slightly more um open open to these things than than others but he's he he's 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 an unusual policeman in that he's a more thoughtful and reflective policeman, but the things that Carl accuses him of are proper police work i think yeah
0: and i and I think kolchak is you know when he does kind of accuse him of of trying to get his angle trying to get him his information from him that would not fall as flat to me if kolchak weren't the witness of a murder found at the scene of the crime yeah you know this is this is this passes the journalist thing okay i need to know the story you're working on carl and hits to the you were here tell me what happened yes stage and you know we can subpoena you and and you know, they're not giving away a story. There, you're giving away your eye, your witness of a murder, and I think press freedom wouldn't
1: cover that. Yes, and right. it, but 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 at the same time, it's still quite lightly done because he says, you know, that 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 would you, you were at the scene, you were at the you were found at the scene of a of a murder. That would give me a tension headache. Well, it's that, not yeah go ahead it's not an it's it's a kind of a bleak threat rather than being as direct as some of his colleagues in other episodes might have made
0: yeah and it's set up it's set up quite a while in advance because the first thing Kolchak does when he when he wakes up is he says, well you know headache rub rub the back of your neck and and the dialogue goes mm. on for a while before yeah he gets around to saying, well, if you know that's what you do for attention headache, well I'd have one too." You know, so he's from the moment Kolchak's awake, he's swinging that direction towards which, yeah
1: the threat, which again would all, would also put him on edge, which would create the paranoia that kind of leads him to push back. But you, it, it makes you think, yeah, Roush is Roush is doing this deliberately. He's he's he keeps trying to too, yeah yeah the the business with the light is really really nice, and and so he, he you know he's. He probably doesn't believe that Carl was responsible for the murder, but he, he wants to put the pressure on him in order to get his eyewitness account. And so the way he does it is is quite effective, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you can kind of see Roush cracking in that scene too with Kolchak's ongoing Kolchak-edness because it's yeah. where he's grabbed him and he's... He, you know, and he looks big enough to pick him up off the ground. <laughs> I don't think he is. You know, He's <laughs> squeezing him, but you know, you kind of get the impression that he could lift and pick up right up off his feet. So, yeah, it, it's
1: yeah. And and, he... and and there and there is there is definitely uh, you know from that point there is a kind of tension there mm-hmm. because again. <laughs> I mean, you could co- compare this to the to the uh, rubber chicken stuff here. So, go, g- you know, go, going back to um, Legacy of Terror, mm-hmm. he says, uh, "You know, who who did this to?" Oh, it was a giant chicken. And here, Kolchak tries out his theory on the captain, and the the captain is. Pretty sceptical, I think it's fair to say. Just, you know, make, make me believe that, because if you shoot me through the grease, it will have a definite deleterious effect on how we interface with each other. I, I love his dialogue. I love again, his dialogue. Again,
0: though, it's not... Kolchak doesn't have to even give him his theory. I mean, he, he did, obviously. But what did you see? I saw a guy in a suit of armor kick through that door. I mean, there's obviously physical evidence that the door was kicked through. There's physical yeah. evidence that the woman was chopped in half with a, with a battle axe and that her door was cut down and that the door was knocked off and Kolchak was buried. So something came through with a great deal of force and power. And they said, what did you see? I saw a guy in a black suit of armor that looks like the one I saw at the museum the other day. That That is yeah. not a theory. That is what I saw. And if you don't believe me, well, fine. But... That's what I saw. Which he,
1: but he doesn't. He doesn't believe him. Right. Because he
0: did say he th- you have a history of unreliable, something like yeah. that. <laughs> he, think,
1: he, thinks he, he thinks he's pulling his chain. And so they go along and they try to fit Boggs into the armor. And he doesn't fit. No. So it, it means a- actually, although I think Roush was kind of pretty on the money- when he he gave that kind of character sketch of of Kolchak. His analysis is actually wrong, because Kolchak is telling the truth. But it's Mm -hmm. still pretty plausible. It's still quite believable that Kolchak would spin him along.
0: You know, they found that the weapons had been recently cleaned. Okay, fine. That fits with what they know about the murders, something that Roush knew that Kolchak didn't, that the that the weapons had been cleaned off at the scenes of the crime. So again, just because Boggs isn't in the suit of armor doesn't mean that there isn't somebody else putting on that suit of armor that we have not that Kolchak has not yet encountered.
1: True, but then they haven't You know so they it, haven't got a suspect. So it's it it starts to look a lot more far fetched then, even if you're not yeah. Even if your kind of only theory of the crime doesn't rely on the suit of armor being empty.
0: Yeah, right. And I don't think Kolchak thought the suit of armor was empty at that point.
1: No, no, I don't think he did at that point. I don't think he did. So, but he, that's, he, he thought that Boggs was in it.
0: Yeah, I think he did. Which, considering what an old, frail old man Boggs is, I, yeah, that's kind of... Thing. But
1: anyway... Um, well, yeah, maybe, but he's he's quite forceful in some way
0: And if I'm not mistaken, that's the last time we see Roush in this episode Yes From there on out, it's just right down to the point where Kolchak says Well, I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do, but all I can tell them is what I'm going to tell you It happened it really happened I kind of would have liked to have seen a little bit more with Roush towards the end of that but I guess we don't normally get that with Kolchak and the police so
1: no I mean it, the only reason to see him again is because he's such a great character and I would be quite happy if we didn't see him again in that episode if say we saw him in a number of subsequent episodes I mean I know there are only going to be a couple more episodes but mm-hmm. we've we've talked before over how it would maybe have made sense for for there to be fewer different police captains and and have them recurring more often. And Roush would be an obvious candidate because he's such a great character. Yeah, yeah. Um, got anything else? I, I've only I've only got a couple couple of things, which okay. is one one of which was um, just a, again it's it's lines from the episode that I particularly like. But um, Roush, when he's talking about the ward captain right at the start and they're talking about why anyone wants want to kill him He he says something like uh anyone in public life is uh prone to antagonism and i think he he's he's telling that to carl kolchak for goodness <laughs> sake um if there's anyone who is more prone to antagonism i'd like to know about it true sure. and 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 the other thing i've got is uh, uh something i mentioned before but um carl's photography there's just that brilliant line when he gets out the the photo of the bolt to show to boggs and boggs just looks at it and goes well if it was focused properly i might be able to make an intelligent comment
0: yeah that's true i, I did have that line written down
1: um and it's not i mean it's one where it, literally i laughed out loud at this episode but actually there were a number of times when i laughed at, at, at this one and that's pretty uncommon um for ...for me and Kolchak, so... Um, ...I did enjoy this one quite a lot. Mm.
0: I will say the one... ...there was one line in it that I... ...didn't like, it is a relic of an older time... Um, ...and that is... ...when the night was coming to the interior... ...designer's place... ...and, you know, Kolchak... ...looks out the door, see... ...hear, hear the clanking, looks at the door, sees it crashing through the door... ...closes the door, he tries to, ...he's trying to save the woman, right? And he's telling her yeah. to get in the bathroom... His phrase was, get in the bathroom, you dumb broad. Yeah. It's like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Given the circumstance, given that some strange guy who's a reporter comes into your bedroom and is asking you questions and then suddenly is making this panicky, barricading the room, telling you to get in the bathroom. I can kind of understand why you might not just instantly jump to his command yeah and go and then that is you know you know
1: it's 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 not just it's not just offensive it's also the wrong thing to do because it doesn't it doesn't help it's not going to make her more likely to yeah take take him seriously and 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 you know believe there is a threat and i i kind of have mixed feelings about that that sequence i mean I, on the whole i like it um but I kind of felt bad that Kolchak didn't save her and thought maybe he could have acted. I mean, obviously, on the, on the one hand, Kolchak isn't a Superman and, mm-hmm. or, or, or a, you know, he, he, he's not, although, although he can be pretty handy with the stake and mallet from time to time, he's not a fighter right and he's and he's not he's not got particularly super strength as we saw when he tried to lift that that axe or whatever he's basically a bit of a weedy reporter Mm -hmm. on the other hand what i did like was his instinct was to protect um, minerva as well as himself Mm -hmm. so and, and 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 in fact he puts himself at risk in order to to try and protect her so you know i i i I did quite like that aspect of it, and it did seem to me kind of credible that he would not be able to to do that because he's trying to take on a knight with an enormous axe armed with a chest of drawers, so admittedly, yes,
0: although you know at that time he just thought it was a guy in a suit of armor and that should have. Probably kept an ordinary person out. Well, or at least delayed them an, considerably longer.
1: An ordinary person with an axe. Well,
0: yeah, it'd still take I, a while to chop down that door, and then he'd still have to push the thing out of the way. And I, yeah, I think it would. I think there was. He came through it with supernatural ease. Let's put it
1: that way. Well, yes, perhaps. perhaps. Oh, hey, I will mention we so, have had a, we had a gun battle
0: a raining hail of bullets gun battle in ages. Well that's yeah. I'll just yeah. say it just occurred to me that we haven't had one of those since I think Mr. Ring. But oh, yeah, uh, It's been a while. Yeah, that's true.
1: Anyway, sorry. Derailed the thought. Um But yeah. I, I you know I it, I, I thought I thought you know, as we said, the 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 confrontations generally were well done. And and you know this this one was uh no particular exception to that, but part of me was part of me was was thinking kolchak's the hero he should be able to save her and if he had said you know kind of outrun it get you know go out the window push her out the door go you know head down the corridor the other way go down the fire escape whatever it would have taken because clearly if you if you find yourself trapped unless you can shut a steel door uh, in front of it or whatever it's going to get through in the end and he he What could he have done? I mean, at at least if he'd phoned the police or something, we've got a hail of bullets again. But, you know, there there was no hope if it was Kolchak and a chest of drawers against a knight with Mm. an axe. Yeah. Sooner or later, it might not have been as quick, but sooner or later, the inevitable would have happened. All right.
0: Uh, I have nothing else.
1: Don't believe I have anything else either.
0: All right. Uh, In in that case, um, I do not off the top of my head.
1: The Youth Killer. The
0: Youth Killer. Indeed. I was thinking that might be it. Okay. The Youth Killer is the next episode. Uh, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com fusionpatrol fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf